0: hey what's up everyone welcome to the pitcher bet sports podcast i'm your host matt guest with me out in vegas is matt morris what a week dude we had the Otani news drop, little Belichick drama, Army-Navy game. You know, it's it's been
1: a week, man. How are you? Dude, this is 1.46 a.m. coming at you what? Yeah. now Wednesday. This might be the latest mm-hmm. we've recorded, and I don't think that is wrong. Maybe it is. Um, yeah, actually, I think we did a 3.30 a.m. once. I think we rolled hard one night um but yeah i did hell of a week in sports the belichick news <clears throat> you would reach out to me after i texted you about the herbert news yeah and i saw the belichick text come through and i was like oh that's interesting i haven't heard anything when espn didn't see anything so i had to do the good old google machine type the bill belichick in and i didn't find anything well, yeah well it's because i called it bull belichick um yep good old i can't uh, can't spell i'm illiterate And uh, once I spelled his name right, the articles popped up and it was pretty obvious that, you know, decision had been made after the Germany game, that they were going to move in a different direction. It'll be interesting now that that narrative is out. Is Kraft going to be upset that it got out? Was it intentionally leaked? Probably. Um, And will anything change based off now the national media knowing that Belichick Belichick is intended to be out after the season? and then of course when on uh on X and uh everybody's talking about how you know Bill Belichick's going to be the Packers defensive coordinator in 2024. Yeah, good luck with that. Bill Belichick will probably either sit out or retire for a year and then come back you know, hell has the fury and try to take down the Patriots. That would be my guess as a head coach, not a defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, I mean at the end of the day it you you mentioned the Herbert news, Daly's going to be out. Um I feel like that's Easy plug and play, go play with a guy who has top five potential, a team that's disappointed already has a stack defense. Um, Yeah, we'll see how that one plays out. It's going to be super interesting. I think it's actually good for the Patriots to finally cut ties and move on. Like it's best for everybody. He has his way that quote unquote Patriot way, right? Like that doesn't work for the younger generation anymore. I still think he has a lot left in the tank if he wants to bring it. Uh, I just thought immediately chargers would be the, probably perfect fit for him if he did want to continue and try and go for a couple more Lombardi trophies, but at the end of the day, dude, the big news was Otani, you said six fifty I laughed it ended up being seven hundred million dollars now it's coming out now in the in the the days after he made the announcement via Instagram that he was going to the Dodgers that they're gonna defer the payments down the road um this is a big discussion point, so I will let you kick it off regarding however you'd like. Is it good for baseball? Is it bad for baseball? What the contract means, so on and so forth. We'll have a little discussion about that before we get into NFL stuff today.
1: Yeah, and you know we kind of talked on this the last couple of weeks. I've been a lot more active in the fantasy baseball community, and you know it's it's my first love. NFLs, you know, hanging around there second. And as I've been more active, I've gotten to know more people more group discussions. And I really was interested to see after the signing what people would think. I thought there'd be some really strong opinions, positively, negatively. And there were more strong negative opinions than there were positive. I think people are kind of apprehensive to really give their first thought and they kind of want to see how it plays out. It's a lot of money. It's never been done before. It's the Dodgers. So people automatically are like, well, of course they spent. But we need to remember too, that used to be the Yankees. Now the negative narrative is what I want to address here because a number of people from Twitter or X to these group chats that I'm in, you know, the, the, the slacks, all of that have very strong opinions about how bad for baseball this is. You know, Durant's name has been thrown out there, which (laughs) I don't know if anything will ever compare to that, uh, how this has ruined the sport, how no one else can compete with the Dodgers now and how this has ruined the game. And I just came with my own conclusion here, and I had to fire back at some people and really respectfully and just say, listen, three years ago, we were talking about this sport dying, numbers dropping off, revenue dropping off, and TV interest low. They had to change the rules to make it more interesting. And thank God, while all that was happening, Shohei Otani happened to be playing right now, a generational talent, one of the greatest talents baseball has ever seen. To also help the marketability of the sport and stuck wasting his talents in Anaheim. That is the narrative that we have followed for five, six years, wasting his talent in Anaheim. And now you're going to tell me that the narrative that is being preached the loudest is the angry fans that say, this is not good for baseball. This is incredible for baseball. He is in the biggest market outside of New York in the United States. He is close to Japan. He has the opportunity to not only be happy, but be comfortable. And on top of that, he chose to give the team a huge benefit by pushing this money down the road, because if he signs and they pay him $70 million a year for 10 years, the Dodgers are in the luxury tax. When you're in the luxury tax, you're screwed. Your draft picks are, are dropped from your position. I think it's 10 slots automatically. If you hit like the third level of the luxury tax, you just forfeit a draft pick. There's so many consequences to being over the luxury tax on top of not just draft picks, but free agents. You can't go out and sign a Yamamoto or a Cody Bellinger or a Blake Snell or a Josh Hader. You have $70 million in the books. Otani, you're our guy. Get out there, throw some baseballs. You know, hopefully that UCL doesn't tear again, hit some home runs. And we got a shot at a couple world series. This way they can be competitive for 10 years. And in 10 years, when they pay him that $68 million a year, that luxury tax will be much higher. They will have all the prospects to be able to backfill a, a, a $68 million guy that's not on the roster. They'll be able to supplement with younger, cheaper players. And more importantly, this gives LA an absolute monster marketing opportunity. It makes LA and New York, the two dominant front runners now with the superstars. This is really, really great for baseball. Um, last thing I wanted to add, Toronto really slipped this one. Um, now, Toronto is owned by, well, I should know this off the top of my head, Roger Communications. So the Roger Center in Toronto. Roger Communications in 2001 had a, a revenue stream of $11.6 billion. And In September 30th of 2023, they had a revenue stream of $13.47 billion. Now, this is a worldwide international communication company. So logically speaking, if you bring Otani in, you're going to utilize him in all facets of the business, not just as a baseball player. You have a communications company that's re- grossing $13 billion. Clearly, he's going to be of an asset within your marketing, your communications. This was a huge, huge, huge blow to the to the overall team of the Blue Jays in Toronto, but I think also the company. And that's a narrative that's kind of just slowly been talked about by people really, you know, in inside of especially baseball, but I think they missed an opportunity. I think Otani's value to the Blue Jays could have been close to a billion dollars. Um, now, Toronto would have been one of the worst places for Shohei Otani from a marketability perspective for baseball. I think it would have been you know nice for Toronto fans, nice for the country of Canada to have Shohei as a, a product. But from a pure baseball perspective, the Dodgers was the number one landing spot. And I would be really interested to see you know, uh, some comments come out from, uh, from Roger Corp and see maybe what their plans had been. And I, I don't know if we'll ever know, but that has to be something that they were intending to offer him so much money.
0: Yeah. You would assume from Toronto's perspective that they put up a big offer, maybe yeah. one bigger, potentially bigger than the Dodgers, if not the 700, right. That he ended up signing with. But at the end of the day, it was always the Dodgers back like it was always the Dodgers. There was no other reasonable spot for him to go to to a make money and b compete for a title than the Dodgers. Like it just made sense from day one from when he decided I'm not going back with the Angels. We laughed about it and I said, we'll, we'll see you up the freeway, right? <laughs> see you yeah. two and a half hours later because there's a lot of traffic, but we'll see you up the freeway because he's going to L.A. There's no other spot for him to go. And I thought you hit the nail on the head about it being great for baseball. And I I will double down on that because I think as a baseball community, as baseball fans like you and I are, you cannot have it both ways. You can't bitch about him going to the Dodgers and then every year as we get into August, be like, can you believe the Angels are already out of the playoffs and we're going to get robbed of Shohei Otani in the playoffs? Like this is this is how it works, man. This is how it works. You have to go to a contender. You have to spend money in Major League Baseball to win. You have to. It's just plain and simple. So this is a massive net positive for baseball, especially a year where now Otani can take his time, really rehab that UCL and play and just hit for the season. Like he probably won't even end up pitching. This year for the Dodgers, maybe towards the latter half of the season, but he most likely will be in a Bryce Harper type role outside of playing first base, right? So we're going to get all of Shohei Otani on offense, him at Dodger Stadium with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, you know, the whole roster out there in LA, and they're an arm or two away from being really, really competitive. But if you're an actual baseball fan and watch the game, it's a ludicrous comment to say that it's over right? They just got smoked in the playoffs by a lesser Diamondbacks team on paper. It's baseball, dude. Pitching matters more than hitting does. A hot pitcher beats a great lineup. We see it year after year after year. So you can't have it both ways if you're that baseball fan. If you're Chris Mad Dog Russo, are you really going to let the Dodgers get away with this if you're Major League Baseball? Yeah, this is the best possible outcome for the product that is major league baseball i've been saying it since we've been doing this for however many years now they are the worst marketed product in professional american sports and this is their opportunity to take it to the next level with the juan soto signing trade excuse me and the shohei otani signing we have our two biggest markets our two biggest teams right now with two superstar hall of fame level players, like this is the time to take major league baseball to the next level. And let's be honest, Matt in 10 years, the $68 million tag will be normal for, for Shohei Otani, right. For the superstars of the league, whoever they may be in this next decade. So I think it's absolutely ludicrous for any baseball fan to complain about this, unless, unless you're an angels fan. Like I get that, right? Like, Being from OC, growing up ten minutes away from um, from Anaheim, the Angel Stadium, like a lot of my friends that are diehard Angel fans are bummed, and like they should be. That makes sense, right? Like they're mad at their organization, and they're basically in a rebuild. They should trade Trout, and that's a conversation for another time. But overall, this is a massive, massive win for Major League Baseball, just because of what we saw from Otani in that World Baseball Classic, which was. A freaking exhibition game even though it means more like that's what we have potential to see this year if all goes well and he stays healthy
1: so there's so many things i want to add here quick angels fans you know we have a rocky relationship i know that yes you know i i don't love you guys you don't love me it's okay now you had an opportunity you could offer him a billion dollars you want to be upset stop being an angels fan your team (laughs) your product has been bad, right? It's not you had Otani, you had Trout. Listen though, you had Otani, you had Trout. At, at some point, you as the consumer, you are the consumer of the Angels' product. You pay to be an Angels fan. They put a product on the field. You are the voice, yes or no? Artie Moreno starts hemorrhaging money because none of the fans show up. He's going to sell the team. Boom, things change, right? People are mad about Madden and mad about the exclusive rights EA has to the football franchise. Stop buying Madden. EA loses its exclusive rights. All of a sudden, we have better football games. It's the same thing. You as a consumer have a choice to support or not support the product that is being given to you. And I would say that as a Brewer fan, I've lost love for the Brewers because of the way they operate the franchise. And that that sucks. Like They are one of the pillars of my life that have saved me from moments of despair. But as an adult, I have to look at the product and say, hey, I would like a little bit more value here, and I'm not getting it. Now, the big takeaway for me here too is what has happened in San Francisco? San Francisco misses out on Carlos Correa, Aaron Judge, and now Shohei Otani. Rumors came out today that San Francisco offered almost exactly the same deal the Dodgers did and Shohei chose the Dodgers well no go figure right Matt it's geographically better for him it's LA everything around the deal is better well San Francisco why did not you offer him 800 million 900 million you want to go out and get a player and you're you know you're offering the same deal as the second best city or the first best city in the United States from a marketing profitability perspective for a player you can't offer the same contract You have to give him more incentive to come. You have to give him a billion dollars and say no to a billion dollars because realistically, anything over 700 million, what is 800 million? What's 900 million? A billion is something that changes the entire facet of the world of sports. And that's the the last piece for this for me, which is A, if Otani crushes it for 10 years, if he hits 400 career home runs, 500 career home runs, if he gets to 2000 career strikeouts, He's an MVP a couple of times, wins a couple World Series. He's going to grow the sport. He's going to grow the revenue of the sport, which in turn makes that $68 million, Matt, as you talked about, less valuable because people will be getting much, much bigger contracts with the help of Shohei Otani's marketability and revenue stream. It is incredible. He has essentially de-incentivized himself, but he's not going to allow the money to change who he is. I mean, that was the direct comment he came out and said, I hope nothing but the best over the next 10 years. I hope they win four or five World Series. I hate the Dodgers. I want to see him absolutely crush it and put it in everyone's face that had bad things to say about him because he just doesn't help himself by doing well and he's going to do well. And the last thing, last thing, I promise, uh, (laughs) salary cap floor has to happen. These teams, you have six teams right now, today, under $70 million in, in current revenue spent on players six i don't even know what the number is under 100 million it's got to be at 150 teams have to spend 150 million dollars minimum because it is absolutely disgusting what the brewers the padres the orioles are doing right now the royals Royals, spent some money today which was nice um It is disgusting. It's disrespectful to fan bases. It's disrespectful to the product. It's disrespectful that we have ownership groups like the ownership group in Milwaukee operating the business underneath a portfolio of a hedge fund. This is not an investment product. This was supposed to be a recreational sports product that happened to become profitable like the NBA, like the NFL. The the hedge fund concept is completely out the window. And the fact that the Braves are doing it effectively while under a publicly traded company is just a kudos to their management team, but everyone else is just disrespecting the fan bases and a cap has to come in at the bottom. It, it must sooner or later.
0: Yeah. A floor, but yes. Um, yes. A floor. Yeah, I agree. We'll move on. Uh, the last thing I'll, I'll just kind of t- chime in is I want, like, you know, we talk a lot more football than baseball on here and you have your baseball podcast where you guys dive into stuff. You and rich, Richie, rich. Um, is that the Dodgers are probably the best ran organization in all of Major League Baseball from top down. They're up there. They're up there. You know what I mean? So it's just like to your thing, like, oh, what's up with San Francisco and this and that. To your point, like, if you're offering the same money, like I'm going to go to a better system, a <laughs> yeah. better coach, a better team, a better organization, better minor leagues, better everything.
1: Same taxes, too, by the way.
0: I mean, the exact better city, like yep. right now, you know, both are kind of shitholes, but um, you know, I'd still lean. I don't know. I grew up in SoCal, so obviously I'm biased, but um, if the Dodgers are, a premier franchise in Major League Baseball over the past decade. We were talking about it in prep while we were doing this. They've got the $8 billion deal with Spectrum that is still in flux for the next, I think, throughout this contract. So money isn't an issue for the Dodgers nor organization. Uh, When we were talking about it, when Otani first signed, it's like, just look at what they're doing with guys like Clayton Kershaw and Jason Hayward, bro. Like just still getting great value in keeping these guys relatively healthy for their age we'll see that hopefully with Otani throughout this 10-year contract because that's the biggest thing it's like we got to keep him on the field because nothing is better for baseball than that guy in the playoffs and that's what we saw happen with this signing and that's why you can't convince me this was bad I don't give a shit if you're jealous that you're not a Dodgers fan because I am jealous as well
1: well and and we're gonna see some crazy money spent here Matt you know Yamamoto is he met with the Yankees yesterday? He met with Dodgers today. You know, we started this offseason with people talking about him getting 200 million because there is a posting fee that has to go to his Japanese club, so it's a percentage of each. It's crazy when we get into the math, but he, money is owed to his team based off how much he signs for. And so it starts at 200 million. People were saying, Oh, it might get to 250. Man, it's 250 is a lot, especially with the posting fee. I'm hearing 350 now because. People are desperate. The Yankees are terrified with this deal that the Dodgers may also get Yamamoto, which would be, again, he's going to be a top 20 starter in the majors when he hits. He could be a top 10 starter. I mean, he is the real deal. Some concerns because of height and overall body and mechanics, but real deal pitcher. Yeah. And you're talking about a guy that may, may have made an extra $150 million because Otani created desperation. That in itself is incredible. And we'll have to wait for the, his deal to come out. I don't know that it'll be 350. I think maybe 270, 280. But you have Blake Smith, Blake Snell. Dodgers get Yamamoto. The Yankees are literally flying to wherever Blake Snell is and they're dumping a pile of cash on his front yard. Yeah. Cody Bellinger, the Blue Jays. What do you want, Cody? We missed out on, on Otani. You want, you want 200 million? We'll give it to you. A guy that was let walk. From the Dodgers one year ago, desperation is setting in to compete with all of the money that was saved for Otani. Awesome for the sport, awesome for the players. You're going to have nothing but more money put out there, and with with Soto in New York and Otani in LA, these this league finally has an opportunity to lift its stars up.
0: Lift its stars up, baby. Yeah, it's going to be great. Moving on to football, we talked. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before regarding coaching and mm. quarterback play and why is the product so bad sometimes? And why do we have six games that there's no way I'm going to watch them and so on and so forth. Um, I had an epiphany this weekend that, you know, we were right. Uh, it, it is all in my opinion, not on quarterback play. It's actually on coaching <laughs> Packers. <fuck>. Um <laughs> Anyways, the reason I say that is because I was watching a lot of games this weekend, still kind of battling some illness. I was just chilling on the couch on Sunday with the lady, with the boy watching games. And I saw a lot of great coaching elevate either good or bad quarterbacks on rosters. Let me name a couple games for you, Matt. First one, the LA Rams go into Baltimore, almost sneak away from one and, and get one. I consider Stafford a a top echelon quarterback. I know you and I kind of differ on that opinion there, but Stafford's definitely better than most of the guys that we're seeing out there on Sundays nowadays. But Sean McVay, they had no business competing in a mud bowl with the Baltimore Ravens off of a bye this past week, but they did. They should have beat them, honestly. Had a couple mistakes that shot them in the foot. Stafford looked great. Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, we may have been wrong about him, and I'm actually shocked by this, Matt, but I watched a lot of Cincinnati this weekend Their play calling, their schemes, their ability to get their playmakers in space, open and make life easy for Kevin Browning has been shocking to me. And he's looked good. I have a feeling they're going to be able to trade this guy for a high round draft pick if they want to. But it's also super valuable, obviously, as we can see here, to have a backup quarterback. These guys might make the playoffs Cincinnati. They're playing that well right now. Another example of this in the same division. The Cleveland effing Browns and Kevin Stefanski. If I see one more person on the X, bitch, about him as a coach, I might tee off on them. Kevin Stefanski right now, one of the most underrated coaches in all football. Literally having Joe Flacco look like he's prime Joe Flacco yeah. in in his Super Bowl runs. They are right in it in the AFC North. Beat Jacksonville, who by the way. Can can we can we just do this here? Trevor Lawrence, he's a guy. There is no way he should have been playing that game and they made him throw 50 passes in a bad weather windy day. He had like three interceptions, didn't look great. I'm not saying he did, but that is the quarterback. That's the franchise quarterback I want to see right there. Like you you we have that list of quarterbacks from that specific draft class where we're going to look really right with the way Justin Fields is playing. But man, Trevor Lawrence, he's a guy. And then very lastly, Matt, the last one I think I wanted to touch on when it comes to these coaching jobs is going to be none other. Mike Vrabel, Tennessee, somehow making Will Levitz look good. And I think it's a, it's a lot more than just him playing. It has to do with the culture and the coaching of that team going into Miami last night or I guess two days ago now since it's so late as we're recording this and beating the Dolphins and Levis looking and actually feeling like a starting quarterback which I can't even believe is coming out of my mouth right now
1: (laughs) I thought you were going big Mike I didn't think you were going that big Mike Um, I thought we were going with the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy
0: We'll, we'll get there
1: we'll get there so Matt you threw a lot at me. I got so many different variables I want to, you know, fine tune here, but I want to start with, wh- you mentioned one team with one quarterback being paid a hefty amount. And it's not yes. even, we'll say max money, right? I think Stafford's deal is 35. He's a year, up there. Yeah, he's But up it's there. not the 50, 55 that some of these Ash jacks are making. And that's the problem. And I had this conversation at work in the dish pit, you know, where all the great conversations go down. And it was about Joe Burrow. And I said to a buddy who was talking about the game and the quarterback play, I said, you know, what this is really doing is it's making me question Joe Burrow, not the ability of Joe Burrow. It's making me question when you put everything in one guy, because what are we seeing around the league? Patrick Mahomes heard my comments on that. Justin Herbert, heard my comments on that. List goes on. Aaron Rodgers, New York. Oof, that could be really bad. Looking back in hindsight, that could be really bad. Could be good. But you spend the money, and it really ends up hurting roster construction. And, yeah, we got quarterbacks out here. Fourth stringers. Slinging it. You got guys on rookie contracts completely changing the narrative of what's going to happen in an organization. Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence, finding a way to make Jacksonville relevant. Hopefully he leaves. God, Jacksonville, I'm sorry. It's just it cursed. But my point of this is it's the money in the coaching, right? Like Deshaun Watson. You get, you gave yeah. all these assets up. You gave him all this guaranteed money. And who is the one leading this team to the playoffs? It's Joe Flacco. In the same division as his team that he possibly could have gone to the Hall of Fame. In. Not saying he's a Hall of Famer. The Ravens. Yeah. Same division and he is leading the Browns towards a playoff spot. And it is truly incredible to me, but I'm, I am think I'm more shocked at these coaches that I had wrote, written off. You know, Stefanski yes. wrote him off, thought he should be fired. Uh, Taylor wrote him Definitely
0: off. Definitely Taylor.
1: Thought he should be fired. And here they are doing it with below average quarterbacks, guys that didn't have jobs, guys that went undrafted, and they're winning ball games and it it is incredibly impressive. And I think what it's causing me to do is really reevaluate. Is it really the play calling or is it, is it the pieces that these coaches have? Are they so worried about keeping Burrow healthy that he's limiting his ability because heaven forbid he puts Burrow in one bad shot and boom, the franchise is down. Right. Or from the Deshaun Watson perspective, right? Well, screw him. Everyone hates him. Anyways, next guy up, like, what, do we, what can we do here to just salvage this incredible defense and not waste another season with this defense because five seasons have been wasted. Overall, I, I'm just really, really impressed with coaching. And, and the last game that I wanted to mention that you didn't bring up with was this Packers game with Dayball and, and LaFleur. And really impressed with Dayball. Like, I, I, I know that there's a lot of work to be done with this roster in New York. And I know the quarterback situation is completely murky. DeVito is probably not the guy, definitely going to be an NFL backup for 10 years, um, but he's he's doing a really good job keeping his job right now, oh, and yeah. I, I want to see him with a quarterback that's just a little bit above average because it's not Daniel Jones, and it's not DeVito. Love DeVito. Awesome kid. Game was an absolute disaster. It was one of the worst football games I've seen from Green Bay and from New York, but it it was a football game. And at the end of the game, it was a game. It was still watchable. And I think that was impressive. So really interested at this, this even playing field across the NFL and interesting because we now have the NFC front runners, Cowboys, 49ers, opposite spectrum, Dak Dak Prescott getting paid, Brock Purdy making less than Otani makes in two games. (laughs) <laughs> um awesome little stat we saw out there this week so really interested to see like can the cowboys do it this year uh, or does the narrative of don't pay the quarterback does that win out to us to a super bowl appearance
0: yeah i mean th- that's th- that's the big case study of this season right and that's why you're seeing so many teams in the nfc at six and seven so many teams in the afc at seven and six right like there's a lot of parody everyone outside of i want to say five teams are pretty much pretty much in it you know the bears are a game back of the playoffs right now with tiebreakers and all sorts of shit right like going into week 15 you know we've got a great last four weeks of football coming up here and you are right about stafford being the only one on that list that's got paid right or the list or the teams that i had like mentioned as we're getting started here but let's not lie you and i wrote off this team right you and i were like the rams are dead um Caleb Williams. You know, sweet yep, state. I I thought a hundred percent Stafford was going to get in quotes hurt, and they were going to bring the LA boy into the Rams because you know that's just how lucky SoCal fans get all the time. Blah blah blah. I was went and cried on my soapbox, but it, it, it's really interesting to see the way that these these offensive minded coaches, these these high level coaches, have evaluated, adjusted their schemes. Right? I think you had mentioned the play call. I think it's the play call, but I think it's the culture though as well. Right, like These guys have a way of winning a proven track record of getting it done, getting their teams to the playoffs. Not all of them winning the Super Bowl like Sean McVay are getting to do, but Stefanski is the guy who changed the Browns forever. They used to suck. They don't suck anymore. He took them to the playoffs, won a playoff game with Baker Mayfield, respectfully, right? Vrabel, once again, Will Levis. I'll just leave it there. Will Levis like legit winning big football games. The record's not great, but they're still winning games, you know? Um, And and I think we're really starting to see that, that switch over, right? We're looking at the Chicago bears. Is Ibriflus, are they figuring it out? Is Justin Fields actually good? You know, like you see this stuff all the time where you always say, you got to let these young guys play out. But I think we're starting to see the good coaches rise to the top. And outside of like, McCarthy we are seeing these legacy coaches start to dwindle off fall off you know at the beginning of the season I threw Sean Payton and McCarthy under the bus that's backfired a little bit on me as the season has progressed but we are seeing some of these other teams with coaches that have been around for a long time start to fizzle out and and I think we're going to see that trend moving forward as well.
1: Well, and and I think opportunity, Um, watching that Packers Giants game, Robinson, the running back, Mm -hmm. um, the kid coming back off the ACL tear electric, I mean, probably going to have some durability issues because of his size, but the few plays that he made in that game, he was a massive difference maker. And when you saw him touch that ball, it was eagerness to make a play. It was happy to be back on a football field. And he was, he was a difference maker. And I look around at some of these other teams and you see some of these younger guys, these guys that aren't making $10 million a year out here fighting. We talked about that with the Packers last couple of weeks, you know, this was a loss and it sucked, but you know, the last couple of weeks you saw them, they had the dog in them. They were out there really giving it their all. And, I'm seeing more and more of that throughout the NFL because you're seeing more and more youth. You're seeing more and more opportunity because of injury. With all of the injuries piling up, you're seeing guys that weren't expected to get the reps, get the opportunities out there, trying to keep a job. And it's giving some of these coaches an opportunity. Dayball having Robinson as a weapon changed his play-calling ability. It changed field possession at times. In my opinion, Robinson won that game for the Giants. Without him, I don't think the Giants stand a chance against Green Bay. Big run here, big catch there, 30 yards, 40 yards. It was it was really impressive. And it was like, damn, this kid's going to, they're going to win because of him. And when it comes to like high-end coaching, you're right. We are seeing it from McVeigh. We are seeing it obviously from Shanahan. But Stefanski's now entered the equation. And I am not firing any of these coaches like Dayball. I think Dayball is the perfect example who can keep my guys fighting in week 14. There's nothing to fight for, but they're out there giving it absolutely everything against a young Packer team. But hell yeah, he's got the locker room. He's got them dialed in. This is great momentum for next year. And this is one of the first seasons that I think I can remember where we're not talking about damn three or four teams. They really need to lose this week so that they keep their draft position. Everyone has said, screw it. We're going to try and win every game we can. And that is the kind of football I want to watch. Even if it's bad football, I want to see guys out there fighting for the opportunity. Now, Carolina is an absolute dumpster fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're they're different. Horrible. They're the only ones. Even Washington is entertaining to watch because Sam Howell, right? And like that offense and what they have going on. They were off this week. But like you even look at the dumpster fire game that was the Raiders, Minnesota this weekend, 3-0. Like to your point, though, man, like Minnesota really like I get there in the playoffs still, but like, man it's got to be tough fighting every single week with what's happened. And Jefferson gets hurt on his second catch, right? Like he should be playing this week, but there's just been so much adversity and it says a lot about that team. And even Antonio Pierce, man, like they're playing like Aiden O'Connell's not, he needs a lot more time, right? Like he's definitely not a guy that's going to go out there and win games, but they're, they're battling. That game was horrible, terrible football game, but you know, you're seeing a lot of those guys battle, and we're we're seeing a lot of teams compete. Um,
1: we had um, we had three people at the restaurant try to give us tickets to that game, three I different bet. people at three different times, and I laughed. My buddy doesn't know football, and I laughed, and he's like, "Dude, what, like people are people are being generous." And I said, "No, no one, nobody wants to wants go to, to this, watch football this game. game. I yeah. don't want to go to this football game, and I'm a f- huge sports fan. I, you won't catch me dead." at that stadium tomorrow because it's going to be bad. I didn't think it would be that bad, but it, the, just an interesting little uh, piece to pass along there.
0: Yeah, that is super funny. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about our Super Bowl contenders. Actually, yeah, we'll go there. We'll, we'll, we'll go with our Super Bowl contenders and the teams that went to the Super Bowl last year, lost this past weekend. Um, you and I were at a difference in the Eagles-Cowboys game. We were in agreement for the Buffalo-Kansas City game. That's where I want to start. Obviously, everyone's talking about the play at the end of the game. Kadarius Toney is lined up offsides. Travis Kelsey makes one of the best plays I've I've ever seen in my entire life, to be honest with you. That throw that he made with the perfect spiral backwards uh, that got called back, pretty much lost them the game, has taken over this week in NFL media, right? And us talking on our podcast here. But I think The bigger story is we're starting to actually see what you and I have been talking about all season long with the lack of weapons, the lack of explosiveness, the lack of trust from Patrick Mahomes with his teammates on offense is starting to play out on the field. Kansas City has lost three of their last four. And for the first time in the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era, they are facing real adversity and they are not the juggernaut we thought they were and they have holes man and we're starting to see a different side of all of them specifically patrick mahomes crying to the referees this weekend and it's really really interesting to see how they handle this moving forward because they're vulnerable right now and no receiver deandre hopkins all these guys aren't coming through the door and this is every other guy like josh allen lamar jackson the guys out there in Miami, this is their opportunity to get a shot at the title.
1: This is it. You know, I really want to. I want to hate Patrick Mahomes, and um, you know, his behavior on the field bothers me at times. But it reminds me a lot of a young LeBron in <laughs> Miami where he started to not get certain calls and he started, you know, getting the baby narrative on him, you know, like, oh, LeBron is crying again. And then th- he hasn't shaken that, but I did see at some point in his career, once he got to LA, he just knew the game so well. He knew what calls were going to be that you didn't have to see him pout as much because he just accepted it. He also knew how to use the rules in his advantage at times. I think we're seeing this transition period for Mahomes where he expects the calls to be made, but the Chiefs aren't protected anymore. And the refs are letting these players play because, as we talked about last week on the show, you're Marquez Valdez scandling. You got to prove to me that you can catch the ball before I give you the flag. Yep. Now, Mahomes obviously o- over the past years having Tyreek and-, and Kelsey, like that's a flag every single time. So I get it from Mahomes. Like, what are you doing not calling that? But you cannot act like you acted on the sidelines. Coming from someone that's incredibly reactive and gets angry and blows up, I'm, I'm a hypocritical. I get that, but I'm not making $55 million a year. I'm not the quarterbacks or the NFL's number one marketing guy. And then there comes the press conference where I get to like empathize with them, where he's just, he was pissed that, you know, his buddy doesn't get that play. The rest of his career is like the greatest play of Travis Kelsey's career. I get being pissed for your, your really good friend. Like. When you see him on the sideline screaming at the ref as he's talking in the post game interview, that's what the screaming was about. It was about how could you take that away from the fans, take it away from him? But bro, Kadarius Tony—he was—he was, he was, he was put on the line. Like, yeah. And it's got to be so frustrating. And I think what's really happening here is we're starting to see the self frustration, the, not the self hate. That's a really strong term. But I think Mahomes knows, hey, I, I made a mistake. Like, I I took too much money. I can't do anything about it right now. And right now is all that matters. Right now is all that matters with the national media's narrative. It's all that matters with the fans watching at home. It's all that matters with the Kansas City fans. Like, I can't do anything about it right now except try and play the best football I can do. And yet again, another week where he's marching his team down the field and he makes a play and he doesn't get the W. That's two wins that should have gone to the Chiefs, in my opinion. Because of bullshit, stupid shit that his own team did. Or maybe the refs missed a call. And it's frustrating, but he made a choice. And you got to show the maturity to keep your composure and walk into press conferences without having slammed your helmet and chased down a referee and say, and say what the truth like, we're going to keep getting better, right? As he said this week, I don't know how many times I can keep saying, we just will keep getting better. Like it's really starting to wear on them. And we're starting to see the cracks, as you said, but yep. I don't hate him yet. The press conference was a really cool experience for me to just to see him as a human being. And I felt for him, but you lost because Kadarius Tony's a fucking moron.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, he's got to go. He's just that you can't be, you can't do it every single week. Keep making mistake after mistake after mistake. But yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like you can see it. This is different. This isn't like the, even after the Packer game, they're like, hey, you know what? We're not going to get every single call. It happens. They beat us. This is like we have weaknesses. We can't lose this game today, and we did, and we did, and Miami's hot. The Ravens aren't losing. We don't have an easy schedule moving forward, right? Like, you can just see it. It feels different this year, and I love it. I fucking love it, to be honest with you. I love seeing it. I love watching them look so shook on the sideline because I love to see the adversity, bro. That is my favorite thing to witness with great players and people in sports. So what I texted you after Love threw the touchdown. I was like, that's all I needed to see. At least he responded to the shittiest first half he's had in a month and a half whereas a month and a half ago he still crumbles right this is the stuff that i look for out of my superstars out of my teams who i root for now on the flip side we'll go to the other big game which was the perfect representation of that for his career is well, Dak hang, prescott hang oh, on what? though matt
1: we okay. we didn't even talk about the bills i know and, i
0: want it yeah sorry go ahead no,
1: all i was gonna say is that that's the bill season that is like that, yeah, it's over. Is, They're done. If they what lose. is there to say about what they are, though? I mean, they should have beaten them up. They should have. That should not have been a game. And that's a coach s- that's going to be gone, bro. We're just sitting here talking about how Mahomes is. You know, the, we we st- talked the whole time on the Chiefs. The one thing I want to add, I thought it was really shitty that when Mahomes and Allen met, yeah. him, and he's just bitching up. Like you could see it on Josh's face, like dude, like what this, what's going on here? Like I I thought we, you were going to congratulate me for beating you. Like that was, I was, I thought all week about beating you going to bed. And now you're here telling me how like, this isn't a fair win. Like that's not really cool. No, I I thought that was shitty. And I feel for, for Josh there because, um, he, this game had to have been really important for him.
0: Well, and no one's got bone harder than Josh Allen, Mm -hmm. you know, like, no one's been on the wrong side of calls, yeah, events, call. outcomes <laughs> than Josh Allen. You know what I mean? So it's just Pitches like, if there's, if there's, yeah, if there's <laughs> one guy you should not be bitching to, it's Josh Allen because he's doing everything he can to put himself in a position to get to a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like he's grinding out there. McDermott is in trouble. Um, I didn't want to get to the bills yet cause they have a couple more games, but they look good. They shouldn't have, that game shouldn't have even been close. Yeah. It's a coaching thing in my opinion. Um, but I was transitioning to Dak Prescott when you ignore me or interrupted <laughs> me. Um, what I was saying about him though, man, is, is this is, this is the best to the adversity thing. This is the best Dak Prescott I've ever seen. Like this, what he's doing now on a consistent week to week basis, like I'm bought in. I am drinking the Kool-Aid that something McCarthy or someone on that staff did with him turned a light bulb on and he's playing the best ball of his career. He's not turning the ball over. He's throwing the ball on time. He's playing within the system. He looks he looks awesome. And I think the signing of Brandon Cooks was something that was super underrated. He's been great throughout his entire career, and he always seems to be just a great little gadget change of pace player even at his older age and i think that was such a great addition to that team in dallas and and we're seeing that play out this season i will say matt it's week 15 we haven't had anything up to date here but we've talked about it throughout the season you know and we're late enough where i'll give rankings like after week 15 there's still games to be played i understand that like i've got prescott number one on the mvp list for me personally I've got him, Purdy, Tyreek Hill, Lamar Jackson in that order right now, week 14. So I can't believe I'm saying that about Prescott. We've had a ton of discussions about him or Cousins, him or Goff, him or this guy. Is he this? Right now, he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he's the reason Dallas is winning. They're winning because of him, not in spite of him, which is the biggest narrative change that I've seen this year. Um, And and I'm actually... I'm really happy for him. I don't like the Cowboys, but I, I'm, I'm actually really happy for him.
1: He looks great. So quick question, and then I'm going to continue with this deck um, take here. Was it Kellen Moore? Will mm-hmm. we ever know? You yeah, I mean, how Kellen could it not Moore? be? How no. could it
0: not be? I no. mean, what do you mean? Is it? Was it like, look at what happened? It's been one season. He's of insane. Course it was he's, Kellen, uh, Moore. he's with the Chargers yeah. now. Yeah. Just
1: go figure. Good exactly
0: and it's like okay cool keaton allen's having an all-time season but it's like the offense is l- the least efficient it's been in yeah. years eckler looks like a shell of himself he's not being used properly blah blah blah. we could go there of course it was kellen moore and guess who he's gonna go coach next year carolina and guess what they're gonna freaking suck um continue
1: um so just in that same ballpark except from the coaching offensive coordinator position i want to talk about you know, Dak's incredible performance and and how I agree with you. I'm very happy for him. Awesome to finally have a system that's utilizing him properly, to have roster construction that that feeds his abilities. Hmm. Gosh, you wouldn't think putting pieces that complement your quarterback around him would work successfully, whoever would have thought. Um, but <clears throat> Zach Wilson, and I want to bring Zach Wilson up because – this is the perfect representation of all the goddamn negative narratives that people talk about every quarterback in the NFL all the time. Dak Prescott, for years, people shit on him, didn't deserve the contract, shouldn't, re- shouldn't extend him. Uh, he's not the guy. He's never going to get us there. Well, here we are today talking about him and his best performance, and maybe it was his offensive coordinator all along, right? Maybe it was p- problems with Dak as well. Maybe he's just developed into an MVP caliber quarterback. I'm okay with that narrative too. But we have to remember that if they're at the professional level, if you spent a big time draft pick on these kids, they have talent. You got to give them time and they've got to be in the right system. Zach Wilson was benched. Basically, they were saying cut him. Okay. Quarterback comes in, shows how awful quarterback can really be. A guy that didn't have a plus minus ratio in college with positive uh, touchdowns to interceptions. Of course, he's awful. Zach Wilson comes in, throws for 300 yards, looks great. And as you were talking about with coaching earlier and how we're seeing this transition, I think we, as a fan base, have to start giving these guys time. We have to start accepting what you said with Jordan Love, which was, hey, I'm taking that as a win today. Now, I get with Dak after six, seven years, you need to see the production and you need to see a team that's a possible Super Bowl contender. But... Everybody else from the Tua's, the Jordan Loves, the Justin Fields, the Zach Wilson's, you got to give them time. You got to evaluate the coaching. You got to get the coaching time to be even be evaluated properly. Mike McCarthy is now there for a few seasons with his guys around him, having the Cowboys play it. They're all, they're the best I've seen since maybe the Des Bryant catch, no catch. Yeah. And this team, is, this team could do it. If there's a team that could beat the 49ers, the momentum is there. We talked about that last episode. What this win over the Eagles could do for this team is really give them solidified confidence in the playoffs against the Niners because they're going to need it. They're going to need to be perfect. And Dak is going to have to be this version of Dak. And they might beat him. And they might go to the Super Bowl. And McCarthy might get his second ring while Rodgers has one. And that would be an <laughs> incredible narrative.
0: Yeah, it would be. But now, just like the Eagles, and we'll get to them right now, just the Eagles coming off that crazy six-game stretch that they had here that just finished up with two straight losses to the Niners in Dallas, arguably the two biggest games that were on the schedule. But, hey, they still beat Buffalo. They still beat Miami. They still beat Kansas City. So, like, let's chill. Um, the Cowboys now have Washington, um, but then they play Detroit, Miami, Buffalo. So, Let's see how they close out the season here. Those are not easy. Buffalo and Miami are both on the road. Mm. Um, oh, sorry. Buffalo this week, Miami, Detroit, then Washington. I looked at the schedule backwards. My bad. Okay. Um, so that's these are big games right now, right away. You know what I mean? Got to keep that momentum. Like you said, they got to stay healthy. Um, but going to the Eagles, I think... I, this is my opinion. Um, I don't know how much of the game you watch. I watched a little bit more Eagles this year because I had Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team, um, and they're just on in prime time all the time now because they're good. But one big glare... Obviously, the defense is playing like shit, right? Like, let's put that out the window. Let's be quite honest. That's a bit of a, a soft, casual take. Like, yeah, the defense is playing bad. They can't fucking guard anyone on the perimeter. It's a problem. They struggle on third down. That hurts. But... What was working for the Eagles when they were rolling is they were controlling time of possession and their offensive identity was built through the run game. So now the question is Matt, is Hertz injured? Is his knee that banged up? Or have they gotten a little too comfortable airing it out and relying on Hertz, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard to get the ball down the field and they've moved away? From running the ball with Swift, with Jalen Hurts, with Gainwell, with Boston Scott. You know, they have a lot of backs there. I think they are going and running into a bit of an identity issue. And I think the best solution for them is to get back to controlling the time of possession, dominating through the run game and playing with the lead. Because similar to the Ravens, right? They're a team that produces better offensively and defensively when they're playing from ahead rather than behind that's kind of how they've built their roster what, do you, what are your thoughts on that that's what that's the biggest thing I see right now uh biggest problem I see with Phillies I think they're having a bit of an identity crisis
1: I brought this up weeks ago and I'll, I'll reiterate it now when you heard rumors that Jonathan Taylor was available and you heard rumors that the Eagles were interested you know I think the first thought from everybody well yeah the Eagles are always interested in a good player if he becomes available I don't think it was that I, don't, I didn't think it was that then I said that. I think the Eagles looked at their roster and said, I don't know if this group can get it done over the course of the entire season. If you remember, first couple of weeks, maybe first four or five weeks, we were talking about Swift like, oh, my God, the reemergence <laughs> right. of Swift. I can't believe the Lions drafted a guy at six that they had on their roster. Well, he didn't hold up throughout the entirety of the season. Uh, not that he's hurt, but he, he's just not the same version of himself consistently. Oh, shocker that's what we had in Detroit that was why they moved him talked about Scott right great rollback Gainwell undersized but great rollback they don't have a lead back so when I look back on those Jonathan Taylor rumors I think to myself the way they want to construct this roster is with a lead back and they don't have that I think this is a completely different team With a lead back. I don't want to say Jonathan Taylor because that's poor taste. He's a top five running back when healthy, arguably. So, uh, you know, but you give him even a, even I will argue, Matt, even an AJ Dillon from what we're seeing over the last couple of weeks, a guy that's going to get 20 touches, you know, might have a couple nice runs. At least he's a guy you can lean on in the run game and in the pass game. They just don't have the volume there that they can lean on. Obviously, you'd probably like something more than A.J. Dillon, but I'm just using that for an example here. And right. I think it's hard. I think, I think they've had to overcome that deficit on top of a defense that's not that great, playing some teams that are challenging at times and, and then beating up on some poor teams. And the airing it out problem has kind of compounded the lack of a running game. And now, to your point, they're kind of caught in the middle. Who are we? What do we do? Okay, the air raid doesn't work. We've lost a couple weeks in a row trying to shoot it out, really lost to the 49ers trying to shoot it out. They just, they yep. didn't know what was happening in that game. Game plan probably was out the window uh, halfway through the second quarter. Then you go into Dallas and you've been banged up a little bit. Your quarterbacks hurt. You know, your secondary's horrendous and you can't run the ball. So they have to figure out that identity over the next four weeks. They have to allow those four backs, those three backs to really start to get some volume we said it a couple of years ago we said it last year 40 touches a game give me 30 from the backs you know give me 30 let's see what happens let's see if we can build some balance because right now the eagles will not be headed to the super bowl i promise you that
0: all right y'all we'll see you next week you can find us on uh instagram twitter tiktok at pitcher bet pod i'll see you guys next week cheers